Good evening. So, after uh, hiatus, including before Shavuos, after, unfortunately after Shavuos, um, we're back to action on Bitochon. Uh, yeah, I just was mentioning that Baruch Hashem, we bought a, we bought a house moving in. I just, you know, it's, it's the, the, the vicissitudes of life, you know, whether it's, I can tell you from this whole experience of buying a house, getting a mortgage, getting the, the market, you know, bidding on a house and the market like to now and limited what you can do. And, and, you know, Psyata Shmaya, a lot of the people told me it worked out very nicely. We got it at the right price. I mean, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, you bid on a house, you give your price and yes, yes, no, no. And like then the mortgage is that. And everything in life, I was thinking, like, if you don't have Sir man belief that Hashem runs the world, you can really lose sleep at night. Um, on a more serious note, just on, I'm just, you know, again, we talk on really, it, it needs stories, it needs thought process. I can speak for myself. Um, you know, being at my grandmother's um, uh, shiva last week in Florida, and, uh, you know, hearing things that I knew about, but reminding myself that my Bubby, uh, you know, if you would have looked at her life decades ago, you would have said, like, you know, what's going to be with her? What's going to be with her life? You know, you're talking about somebody who, um, in her 20s, the Nazis invaded Poland, left her father, stepmother, or her mother had passed away, uh, Siblings, but for one brother, and crossed over to the Russian side of Poland at the time, the beginning of the war. Uh, ended up getting thrown into Siberia for years, losing her whole family. But um, then, after Siberia being in DP camps, coming after nine years of having no home to America in 1948, and starting without speaking the language after losing most of her family and starting her whole life again and like when she passed away at the age of 98 she had you know grandchildren great grandchildren every single one of Shomer Shabbos and mitzvahs both in America and in Israel you know I, I, I mentioned well, my father mentioned as well that he slept on a couch his whole youth my father slept on a, cl- on, 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 on a couch but my grandmother made sure they had enough money for yeshivas. To, and for my father and my aunts went to, to Jewish schools. Literally had no money. She had to go crying. But you look at her life, you know, it's it's a life of belief. Because you're not really talking, you just give up on life. You know, so many people have so many dreams and visions and things they want to accomplish. And if they don't believe in Hashem, very often they can give it up. When I was in Florida, I saw my other bubby, my other grandmother, who was 102. I think I mentioned her before. She's today 102 years old, um, a little bit uh, has dementia, so she doesn't remember too much. But one thing she does talk about is Hashem. It's crazy. She doesn't know who I am anymore. <laughs> she knows my mother sometimes. Um, she doesn't know like any of the any of her grandchildren. And this grandmother, um, I, I can't even imagine what she lived through because she was in Poland for six years with the Nazis. And um, my, my, my mom's mother, who's alive, is 102. She lost her first husband 
My mother grew up with no relatives. No grandparents, no aunts, no uncles, no cousins. Nothing. Not one relative in the entire world. She just had her parents and her her half-sister. My grandmother gave birth in 1942 in Poland and gave up my aunt for three years of her life. Ah... Uh, for three years of her life to a guy to watch my aunt. We can't even imagine. She worked in a Nazi soup kitchen. Right? And she had, she had her biggest nightmare in the world was that she'd speak Yiddish in her sleep because, you know, she spoke Polish to people, but, you know, she, if she would have spoke Yiddish when she, you know, she, her natural language was Yiddish. This is my, so my grandmother, hey, whenever I would talk to her, she'd say, say Baruch Hashem Yom Thank God for every day. Thank God for every day. And today, and now, she doesn't even remember her grandchildren's names. She doesn't remember a lot of things. One thing she knows is Hashem. She'll mention Hashem, which is a remarkable thing. Right? There's still, how do you remember Hashem? Is because you have Bitochon, you, you, you see Hashem in your life, you feel Hashem in, in your life. Um, and that's a life's work. And I, I really think largely, uh, that I, I know that I'm here because of that of them, but when you have a life of betachon, you can live better. You, you're able to to believe Hashem is part of your life. You can feel Hashem in your life, and you can you know go on in life and, and accomplish in life. If you don't have betachon, person's palace. That's why I think my grill is so easy. Thank Hashem for every day. Every day of Hashem is a gift from Hashem. You should feel Hashem in every day of life. So we're going back. To trusting Hashem, not just believing that Hashem created the world, that Hashem is intimately involved in all of our lives. And when a person lives that way, not only are we calmer, happier, more more successful, our whole Judaism is uplifted. Our whole Yahadus, our whole Yiddishkeit is 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 is, is, is raised. Uh, because we can keep Torah mitzvahs. If a person feels that the way they'll be successful in life is by compromising on Torah, compromising on mitzvahs, then they'll make the wrong decisions in this world. A person has to be cognizant and aware that if we do what Hashem wants, right, then we'll be blessed. Now, sometimes you won't see the blessing immediately in this world. That's what we're going to pick up today. We discussed a few weeks ago when we left off that really... Hashem gives a person challenges in finding Parnassa for two reasons. What are the two reasons? I don't remember. Reason number one is so in order to test us. Right? In order to test us. To see, you know, how we do in the world of action. Right? Will we be honest in business? Will we pay people on time? Will we use our... our, 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 our will we be... Uh, ethical in the workplace? Will we be moral in the workplace? Will we put ourselves in situations which are uncompromising in, in the workplace? And number two is that to keep us busy because when a person's not busy, right, when people have too much free time, too much leisure time, very often they do things which are what's called a vice, things which are incorrect. They get bored, right? So in the inner cities when they get bored, they can do vandalism or drugs or other things a lot of people do just stupid things or they waste time so Hashem gave us time the the, the, ability, the necessity to work in order to uh, not come to sin now that we ask but a righteous person who really reaches levels of righteousness well then Hashem can at some level take away 
that necessity to work because if they have free time, what does a tzaddik do in their free time? He learns Torah. Does mitzvahs, what does a tzaddik do in her free time? To Hillim, she raises a Jewish family, she helps people, right? she prays to Hashem, right? she prays to Hashem. Um, and yet, and this is what we're going to pick up today, we have the age old question, and that is we see good people who suffer. Right? There are righteous people who suffer, and at the same time, there are wicked people, right? people who are vile and vulgar, who look like they're living having a time in their lives. You go to the magazines, you know, you can't go to the supermarkets or the faces on the magazines, right? They're popular, they have money, they have cars, looks like they're living, living it up. Why, if, if, why would some wicked people prosper and righteous suffer? Now, this is not a question, a new question. This is a question that Moshe asked. Habakkuk, who was one of the prophets, asked this question. Right, and that, tonight we're going to deal with it because at some level it interacts with Bitaqa. Why do the righteous suffer at times? And why do the wicked, um, why do the wicked, sometimes are, are they, um, are they, are they, do they look like they're in good sh- uh, shape? So the Imyoimar, something we'll pick up, Imyoimar Ha'imar, the person wants to say, Now he says, you see some righteous, because it's a general rule, by the way. Uh, the righteous people who keep Torah and mitzvahs, they have a good life. Right? You look at uh, the Torah world, uh, the Torah world. Actually, today I was having lunch with a secular Jew, and he was talking about the way Orthodox Jews get married. He says, you guys have a right. Right? You look at uh, a, a Torah family, they're, they're, they're much more balanced in society. <laughs> Right? There's so much more balance in so many ways. As a general rule, people have good families, they're not on drugs, they're happy in life, right? They're content largely. I was actually, uh, I was walking by, you know, on, on by Sidorovsky's block, you know, I would take my lo- long way, and right be- on the, not in your block, exactly, but before, before your block, and the facing the other way, so a guy painted his house. So I complimented him, it's a nice coat of paint, it looks good, it looks rich. He looks rich, I said, you know, I meant to say it's like a deep color. So the guy's like, no, no, I'm not rich. I know this guy. So I said, of course you're rich. He says, what do you need? I said, Ezuel, Asher Samech Bechoko. I said, who is rich? A person who is content with his lot. So you can have all the money in the world if you're not happy. And not rich. Hey, rich means you're you're tzefriden. You're happy with what you have. You appreciate the gift of life. Hey, and so very often the righteous are the happiest people in the world. I remember I was in the Mir Yeshiva. And the Mir Yeshiva uh, is between like, near Geula, Meisharim, Bati Ungar, and Beis Israel. Very poor neighborhood. It's talking about old Jerusalem. I lived there for a couple of years. Okay, I didn't love everything there, but like, I appreciate it a lot. People are extraordinarily poor, but I'm telling you, I lived there. They were happy, largely. People were smiling, content, happy. You'd see them walking with their families. They were, I grew up in Miami Beach. I'm just in Miami Beach right now. You drive around Miami Beach, 
you see that's my, my, my chavah's there right now. She, she says, you can't compare the cars in Miami Beach to, to, to the Silicon Valley. Much fancier cars. You know, the whole lifestyle is just uppity-uppity. Right, you know, and I'm tell- I lived there, I grew up there, I didn't see nearly as many happy people. <laughs> I did not. I saw kids I used to play basketball with who were Jewish kids and unobservant. You know, I knew a couple of them who died in car accidents from drunk driving. Right, others were on drugs, others were just miserable people. You know, not, the, not everyone, there were people who were happy as well. Not everyone. But I saw a lot of misery and a lot of uncontentment. So as a general rule, I would contend, and the Torah contends, that righteous are generally happy. There are times where there's a gzeirah, a general decree on, on the world, like in the Holocaust. That's, we're not talking about it today. But you look at day in life. People are balanced, they're happy, they may not have, you know, super wealth, but they have a lot of great things in life. You can sit there and appreciate all the gifts, all the wonderful things. But it should bother us. At any level, how could any righteous suffer? And there are righteous people who suffer. <laughs> there are righteous people who, have, who lose spouses. There are righteous people who get sickly. There are righteous people who can't pay their bills. How does that happen at all? And that's the question he's wanting here. Just, but I want to stress this. You know, there are you know people tend to think you know you know you look at the the, the I'll get to I'll talk about how the wicked prosper. But as a general, most times, rich people are pretty, pretty happy people, pretty content in life, and they're, and they're, can, they're, they're not walking around miserable. But yet, we find there is some suffering. We have to answer that, and it's a fair question. It's such a fair question that Moshe asked this question, that Moses asked this question, that Habakkuk asked this question. So we see at times the righteous don't, they don't find food. They gotta go, you know, begging, struggling. To have to find something, and yet this guy goes ahead. Isn't always a man or a lady. It's all over the news. I know what the woman all this guy is a sicko, pervert, right? You know, people glorifying him. He has fancy cars. Her, what is it? I don't know where, where, where this person is. Uh, I tries fancy cars. I gets the newspaper. This guy, this low life. He's in. He he has a good life. And yet, Baruch, who's a family man, who's honest and careful and considerate and generous and moral and kind, struggles. How is that fair? The other guy is what we call in Yiddish an Eisvarf. You know what Eisvarf is, Mr. Stolen? You can speak Yiddish at home. You don't, you know? No, no, no. no you don't you know, speak to Yiddish. You don't speak to Yankel in Yiddish. No. You know, it's Yankel, it's then Eitzvarf is, is a low life and nothing. Right? This low life of a person has a good life. And in Baruch, who's a great man, struggles or is sick. And, he, and, and, and the other, other person, you know, is healthy. Why is that fair? Right? And the other guy who's a, a, a wicked person or a debased person has a good life. Neymar Kikfar Kadmo, we should say that the, the, uh, the prophets and the Hasidim already tried to explore how this is. Mehemi Sha'amar, as Yermia says, Madua Yermia, Yermiahu, who lived in a generation where the temple will be destroyed, the first base of Migdash will be destroyed, so asked, Madua Derech Rashaim Salecha. Why are the ways that we can, why are they, why are they successful? Why do they have success? Yermiyahu asked this question. Amr Echad Chabakuk said, 
Lama Ta'areni Chabakuk who is one of the twelve minor prophecies why are you showing me oven iniquity iniquity and deceivingness and yet I have plunder and destruction in front of me and those who fight they are uplifted they rise this is what I'm seeing the, the, the low the, 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 you know the people who, who are who are building these huge high tech companies not, not necessarily are they you know they're not keeping Torah lives. Why are the well they driving the the the, the, the Jaguar or the Cheetah? You know, is that a car also Cheetah? Is it, is, no, come on, it's a car Cheetah. Tesla? Uh, Tesla? No, Tesla's nice also. Tesla. Okay, why are they in a Tesla? Right? Why? Why? Why is that? Why? Why do they have to? Why do they have the beach house? The Amar and Chabakuk who's seeing this says Lama ki Rosha Matasan and the Rosha is he's on top. The Rosha, they're the king of the world. They're in great shape. The Amar Takrish Babala Rosha and yet we're silent when the wicked swallows up. You look at today, you know the, the guy, the person who's a deviant, you're a religious man. You speak out, you get in trouble. You know, you know. All of a sudden, your boss is somebody. Who, who, who flaunts, flaunts a, a lifestyle which is not congruous with Hashem's Torah. I'm not talking about whether they know better, they don't know better. Why are they successful? They're wicked, and yet they're calm, and they're successful in this world. That's also, that's in Tehillim. And that says in Psalms, David Melch, King David says, Did I cleanse my soul, purify myself, keep Torah? The erchets menakayin kapai. The neguah kormis v'chaklip kormis. And yet, I, I'm, I'm, things aren't going well. The amor achra on shidur malachi, who is the last of the twelve prophets, minor prophets, and the last of the prophets, really. Gambachnu elokim v'malato harbegaz. I looked and I saw a lot of righteous having a hard time, and wicked people it's being successful. Achaniyah chanavi tshuva v'yirgazu. But the, the the Navi never answers the question. They always ask this question, and they never give a full answer. He can't really give one answer because there are multiple reasons why a, a righteous person could suffer, and there are multiple reasons why a wicked person could be successful. There's no one. There's no one answer that's sufficient to answer this question for all. Uh, and therefore, Moshe said, the Torah Shem says in the Torah, the secrets are Torah Shem. Why certain people are successful and others are not. And some of these successful people are really wicked people. And some of the non-successful people or non-healthy people or people who suffer are good people. Um, that is for Hashem to know because we can't know the reason uh, you can't know these. Now, by the way, the reason why he's discussing this is because a person has to know, right, that if you do Hashem's Torah, you're, you're rewarded. Right? We're going to get to this as we go. Baniglos, which reveals that keeping Torah mitzvahs, that's for us and our children. Why some people have material, physical um, success and others don't, right, and some of them are wicked. That's for Hashem. There's all kinds of calculations. There's no one reason. 
Um, Shlomo HaMelech says in Kohelis, Im Oishik Rash, Vegezel Mishpah Vetzedek Tirim Medina, Al Tisma Al Chifetz. If you see, uh, somebody who steals from the poor, and, uh, and perverts justice, uh, and yet they're successful, don't bother yourself to figure out why, because you're not going to know the reason why. But Amr HaKasif, and Moshe says, that sort of Paolo, person has to have complete faith in Hashem, ki chol Hashem, one thing that a person has to know is that everything Hashem does is just. Everything Hashem does is just. I just mentioned my grandparents. You know, once in a while, just today actually, I had lunch with somebody, and, you know, I'm sitting with my yarmulke, watching, benching, he's bareheaded, nice person, very nice person. But, you know, he's not a, not, not, not doesn't have to see the world exactly the way I do, a Jewish individual. So that's about the Holocaust. I didn't discuss this today, but I'll tell you, like, when I think about the Holocaust, the human tragedy is unparalleled, unparalleled in history. And, you know, I'm certainly a product of the terror and the horror. I, I was raised with the Holocaust in my blood. You know, I was raised with four grandparents who suffered. Every one of my siblings are named after relatives. My name is Menachem Mendel. Menachem Mendel was one of my great-grandfathers who was murdered in the Holocaust. And Chaim was another great-grandfather who was murdered. Not, didn't die. They were murdered in cold blood in the Holocaust. So I, I get it. But if it wouldn't be for the Holocaust, <laughs> I wouldn't be born. You know, my mother's parents were had different spouses. You know, I wouldn't be born. I wouldn't be here for sure. <laughs> I would be in San Jose. And by the way, neither any, no one of us probably would be in San Jose because the world would have been different. So we don't understand everything. We have to know that everything Hashem does, though, is just. Everything Hashem does, though, is perfect. And not only is it perfect for the world, it's perfect for each of us as individuals. Not, we're always given, based on our own decisions, what's exactly best for us, as discussed previously. Okay, so at short time, hello. Yet, the author is not going to leave it like this. He's still going to want to explain to us why are some of the reasons why righteous people suffer. It's important to know because if, if you live in a world, right, where it's incongruent, right, it just doesn't make sense, then a person is, is liable not to do things with correctly, right? Unfortunately, uh, today you have many Jews who do things incorrectly, largely out of ignorance. Most Jews who don't give Torah mitzvahs are completely ignorant about Torah mitzvahs are. Uh, Fremont, do they know what Torah Mitzvahs are, the Jews? I do. What? You I know. know. What percent of Fremont knows Torah Mitzvahs? You know, since Chabad came to Fremont, I know many more than before. No, I'm sure. But you know what? Even those who were affected by Chabad... Not affected, but Chabad finds Yeah. The, the, oh, you know more Jews? Know. Yeah, of course. No, Jews yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but whether it's San Jose or Fremont, no. But whether it's San Jose or Fremont, most of the Jews, the vast majority, don't know Torah And even those who know a little bit, they know from the outside most. They don't know from the inside. Okay, they don't have a deep understanding. Their knowledge base is very weak. Um, most Jews do things at at Vegas. There are people who are good people who, when they can't understand things, 
it affects their service. So I, I you know, to give it an extreme, because again, I'm coming out of my grandmother's shiva house, who was a survivor, and I just saw my other grandmother. So the Holocaust is still in my mind right now a little bit. I grew up in Miami Beach, uh, in in South Florida, had a very large population of survivors, Holocaust, and you met Jews who were non-believers or couldn't keep tournaments. So you that. It's, it's, I, you know, they'd say to you, I'll never forget this. My whole life, I will never forget the following thing. I was on Shabbos day. I was, this is 20 years ago. I must have been 19 years old. I'm walking Shabbos afternoon. And a lady stops me. It's Shabbos. I was going to, from, to Mincha. I was like, good afternoon. And she starts, she's like, in her, she's waiting at the bus stop. And she stops me. And she says, you, you, I'm going to tell you something. My brothers looked like you before the war. I'm working my black hat. Now, obviously, a disturbed lady, and I've never judged a person just to show you. I, my brothers looked like you, but they didn't save them. The Nazis killed them. Right? You, my brothers look like you. Then she tells me, I'm seeing her smiling, I'm never going to judge such a person, but she tells me that her granddaughter is marrying a guy, a Gentile, she's in the army, and she's marrying a guy in a few weeks, and she doesn't care. And then she tells me, and you'll see in your lifetime, they're going to come for you too. Right? Now, this is a lady who's not practicing, she grew up religious, but she was so disturbed by the evilness in the world. Now again, my four grandparents, I'm not comparing who had it worse, you know, left the war not like that, okay? You know, but you can, if you see wickedness in this world, or incongruence, you can be turned off. So it's very important to know that Hashem does everything righteous. You see, I've heard people, oh, I'm going to cheat because this part, you know, I'm gonna, i got to be at work, i got to compromise, look at them, they're successful. Princess, you know, they keep turning mitzvahs, they're misbaruch. They get benched in this world, the next world. And if they don't, even the success is not real. We'll get to that soon. But, so how, does it, how is it possible that a righteous person should suffer at all in this world? So the, the author gives us a few reasons why the righteous could suffer in this world. I'm going to give you some reasons, not a full list, but some reasons why the righteous suffer, which for two reasons are important. One is in general, it's good to know what we shouldn't do, <laughs> because there are certain things that the righteous could get actually punished for in this world. And number two is just to know that if we ever see a righteous person suffer, there's reasons, which only Hashem knows the true reason, but there could be a good reason why they suffer. So number one, so why sometimes people uh, not have enough food to eat or not healthy or, or, or they have problems with, uh, you know, their kids aren't healthy, whatever it may be. That Hashem looks at a person has sins. A virus. Sins. Hashem doesn't want a person to suffer in the eternal world. So he gives them the punishment in this world. This world is so short. You know, it's just a, such a short world. 
Now, it's such a short, life is so short, and there's an eternal world which is forever and ever and ever. The person has to have a little bit of pain. Better that pain be in this world. So one of the reasons why a righteous person could suffer in this world is they had sins, which they didn't do true before. Right? And it's better to have that rectification, that purity in this world, and to enjoy and bask in an eternal world. You think about it, when a person ponders what really matters, you know, what really counts, right? It's, the, it's infinity. You're talking about an eternal world where, 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 where what you do is your status forever and ever. So isn't it better that a righteous person has some difficulties in this world and versus the next world. So if a righteous person has a virus, which they didn't do tshuva for, sins which they're not repented for, so Hashem blesses them that they should have difficulties in this world, challenges in this world, yisurim in this world as opposed to the next world. That's one reason. V'yeish shahaya al derech some just some of their sins, but they're not going to have it all in this world. Hashem is going to give them more in the next world. In other words, they're not rewarded in this world, in order that they should enjoy and get more in the next world. Uh, they'll be blessed more, uh, you know, in, in the eternal world. Vyesh, a third reason why a righteous person can suffer in this world. She had Laharas Sivlo Vahasvaraso Hateva, Vavoidis Habayre, Shikrishi Slamdu, Bne Adam Mimenu, Kumoshe Nadatri and Eov. Right? And, um, some is in order to show those who, uh, to inspire others that a person could rise up so much through pain and suffering and difficulties and challenges right, to inspire other people like Eov did right like Eov even though he was so anyone ever goes to the book of Job Eov you went through it Mrs. Stolen you went through it yeah you went through the whole thing all the prokkim you went through it Job great no, no we're Yona on Yom Kippur. <coughs> no, you have to start on your own. It's a hard work, by the way. It's very hard. But Job, Eov is this righteous person who's challenged and loses his family and he gets sick and he loses his money and he still always keeps his faith in Hashem. And Eov is that inspiration to do it. Right? Sometimes people have challenges and... Uh, Difficulties, and through that, they inspire other people to bear with it. You know, there are certain people who are born with congenial, congenial difficulties, physical ailments, right? and they're the biggest inspiration for other people to appreciate life. So, Hashem, they have less, they have more difficulties, and they, that is their inspiration for other people. And of course, they're rewarded for that. So, if they're taken away in order to merit themselves more. And to merit the generation more. I was Zaycha to learn by a great Rosh Hashiva, 
in the Mir Yeshiva, in the Yeshiva Smir Yeshiva, for Ramnathan Svifinko. When I was in the Yeshiva, in the Mir Yeshiva, Mir Yeshiva is the largest Yeshiva in the world. Okay? Um, Ramnathan Svifinko had Parkinson's. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, he, you know, he was, and in fact, he passed away a few years ago. Um, you know, he built up the Mir Yeshiva. Anyone ever seen the Mir Yeshiva? Been to the Mir Yeshiva in Jerusalem? In Jerusalem. It used to be in Poland. It, it had a miraculous escape. Right, yeah, it was in Poland. Right, and it escaped to Shanghai during the Holocaust. And then, and then, miraculously, it's a different story. And then there's a branch in Brooklyn with about a thousand plus students. And there's a branch in Jerusalem with 8,000 students. So where I studied, and there's another branch in uh, in Kira Sefer that has several hundred students as well. That's for the younger kids. Um, so the head of the, all of the Mir in Israel was in from Nassim Tzvi Finkel, someone from Chicago originally, uh, whose, whose grandparents were from Los- from Lithuania, who went to the Mir Yeshiva, became this great sage, and got Parkinson's. And he used to push himself. I, I'll just give you two vet, little vignettes. Um, I remember I used to have a chabura with Rav Nassim Tzifinko. I used to bring a few boys then on Sunday nights to learn with him. And he would sit at the table. And I would sit right here, right next to Rosh Hashiva. And the boys would be here. So one time he was giving the shear. I would, this was, I must have been 22, 23, 23 maybe. So you know, next to him and he's giving this sheer and he's all of a sudden he starts whispering like, really whispering like, I, say, I can't hear what he's saying so I put my ear next to his mouth he goes I'm out of gas he's out of gas <laughs> you know where his strength and he went to, literally to the last bit of his strength he, he gave this sheer and then he had to lay down he just couldn't physically handle him he had, he had advanced Parkinson's and he didn't take medication because he didn't want it to ruin his head because the medication, unfortunately, could cause you to rem- lose your memory. So he, he really had serious Parkinson's. Another just quick, I gave him many stories, another quick vignette. On sh- Sukkot, there's a Simchas Vesha Shoei, there's a Sukkot party in the Yeshiva. And they have a band, and they have thousands of people davening. Actually, if you go to the girls section, there's a line down the block. To, the girls want to see this, the ladies want to see how the, all these guys davening, dancing also, dancing, excuse me. And they're dancing. So my my, my first... I wasn't in the Mary Shield that I was there for that was a few couple of years earlier. I remember I was dancing the Shiva with a few friends. And I was dancing and all of a sudden it was like an earthquake. Like literally an earthquake happened. Like the, you hear like a roar in the building shaking. And like these all of the older Bakram now this is before I was in the Shiva, then I eventually did this myself. The Rosh Shiva comes in and they're going and everyone's dancing and going crazy and the Rosh Shiva gets onto the dance floor and he's dancing like a 22 year old he's going you know you would never imagine a man with Parkinson's could dance like that they're, they're, he's dancing I'm watching this happen like, he's dancing with such strength such happiness and they, these boys in the yeshiva they're going cra- you've never seen this before you can't even imagine take a wedding and amplify it times a million okay just amplify the intensity the dancing that, and the yeshiva is going crazy and they're going crazy and literally he danced and they had to carry him off the floor he literally ran out of strength 
see such a person, yes, how does Rebbein Tzvi Finkel have Parkinson's? You know, he's such a good person. He's such a royal person. But his Parkinson's inspired thousands of students to push themselves harder. <laughs> right? The fact that he had, we should never have Parkinson's. We don't want Parkinson's. That's a debilitating disease. But you know what? The fact that he had that, the fact that he struggled and pushed himself to the fullest, inspired tens of thousands of people. And for the rest of these people's lives, I'm, I'm like the fact that myself, they're going to live different lives. Because they saw a Jew overcome a debilitating disease and make the most of themselves. Right? I once saw a story that in, in Yushalayim, in the, I think it was the 1910s, there was a lady who had, a, you know, this is before modern medicine, who had a condition where her body would reek. She had a, like a loose, very loose bowels and it would have a constant flow out. And she would, was not able to pray. I will say blessings because what's the law? If you're in a bathroom, can you say blessings? No! If your body's constantly, right? So she couldn't. So, and she was always happy. And someone asked her, why are you so happy? So she said, I've seen this story in dozens of places. I've heard people say it. She said that once a week she's washed off completely. And for a few minutes, she can say brachas and answer amen. And for that reason, she has such an appreciation for that. When you meet such a person who can live that way, it's inspiring to so many other people. Even today, people who their stories are inspired. So sometimes a righteous person has difficulties that when you see this righteous person who can be so good and so caring, sometimes because of the right, sometimes actually because of their suffering, they become even more righteous, which is a side point right now. But also it inspires other people. It, it, it uplifts people to see somebody who doesn't things don't go right for and yet, they're so positive, so happy, so giving, so generous, so holy, so spiritual, so, so, so halig, right? You know what halig is? Holy. Uh, now you're going to come back to, to Yankel and say, Yankel! Give him a, give him a, give him a Yiddishkeit. A little, uh, right? That's inspirational. So sometimes a righteous person could suffer... N- in order to give to other person. And actually, because of that, they, they raise the bar of their own lives. I mentioned that story about the person who thanked God for the cancer a few weeks ago. I read, you know, I, I went there read that on, on, on Shavuos, I think, or Shabbos before Shavuos, by the person who had appreciation for that. That not only inspired himself and changed his own life, he inspired and changed other people's lives as well. As well. That's another reason um, why a person could suffer even though they're righteous. And yet another reason is the Yesh She Yel Resha Anchidero, Vivheno Borisa, Baani Varish, Vaklam Laroso, Hasidoisovavo, Dalso, Lelokimi Biladem, Kmoshinem or Achain, Chalenu Hunasim Achavenus Fam. The person who struggles and suffers. In the future, the wicked should say and see that this person struggled, and that's why they're being rewarded here. They didn't; they weren't paid back. Now they're 
they were paid back later. They, 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 they held back and they didn't get the reward in this world. Um, and the, um, and the shine in the world to come, we'll see. Look at these people. Look how look how much they got because they didn't get in, in this world. Now again, we're not looking to suffer in this world. We're just saying if it does happen, these are some of the reasons why a person who's generally good, righteous, honest, caring could have the travails in this finite, temporary, finite and very temporary world. The This is important. You could have a righteous person punished because they don't they're not jealous for something they don't rebuke they watch people around them sin do not keep Shabbos not keep kosher right not now again how to do Kiruv how to bring people to Shabbos and Kashas is not Kamikaze hey, yeah, yeah, now you're doing but you have to care enough to do something you you see your, your Jewish neighbor breaking out of Shabbos you never invite them for a Shabbos meal at once right you know somebody speaks Lashon Hara and you never told them by the way Lashon Hara is a serious Avera you didn't care enough for them you're going to get a part of their punishment <laughs> and, the, the, and that's actually Hashem's kindness will punish you in this world because you didn't actually do it but you watched it you allowed it you didn't block it you didn't care enough to even say anything about it to try to help it you let these people sin. Imagine the Holocaust. Now I said this story on Shavuos with the Reichmans. They were in Tangiers. They're living in Morocco as refugees. And they saved Jews in the Holocaust. And there were American Jews living in Chicago and Los Angeles and Vienna, New York who did nothing. Zero. Zilch! They just watched Jews die in the Holocaust. They didn't even try. And they're Jews today in the spiritual Holocaust. They're watching people intermarry. Marry shikses. Goyim! They're watching Jews never keep Shabbos and kosher and eat pig. Do nothing. Don't even try. They don't even, they don't even care enough about their fellow Jews to do anything. So Hashem says, you don't care enough. You're liable because you could have saved them. And, you, and you'll say to me, I, I couldn't have. You don't know that. <laughs> All right? How many people in this room grew up religious out of curiosity? What? Who grew up religious in this room? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you grew up in Shabbos? Yes. So two people. Three. Tomorrow, okay. So majority room not... Right? The majority. Right? Okay. We don't... Alright. can speak about it later. Right? The point is, how do you how do you give up on a Jew? How the world do you give up on And if, let's say, they're a religious Jew and you see them stealing, you're not going to say anything to them. You're not going to be... You're going to be quiet. You're going to get... You're liable. So at Sadiq, if they don't try to spread Torah and they don't stop you but they're not again if you try and that you're not able to or if it's a situation where they're going to hate you for it so then maybe you can't but to the extent you can you must and if you don't it's possible for a punished in this world 
know the story of Eli. Eli was the Kohen Gadol of the Jewish people, the greatest of the generation. He was the Shofet. He was a teacher of Shmuel, of Samuel. But his sons lived at some level wayward lives. The Gemara discusses exactly what they actually did wrong. But Eli's sons were incorrect. They did things off. And Eli was punished. Right? He was punished. Now, amongst the Eli's descendants were great, great people. There were great Rabbanim and Omarayim and Tanah. The Gemara talks about them. They died young. They all died young. And it's in the book of Shmuel. Yeah, exactly. But Chana, you're right, exactly. Um, right, and they lost out. The, these children lost out, and, and Eli lost out because he didn't stop his sons. He let his sons do things to work. He didn't care enough to do anything. He didn't even try. So he was punished for that. That's how why a righteous person could suffer. Why could a wicked person? How could a wicked person get any good? I mean, they're so look at their lives, right? You have what's her name? Brittany Cyrus, some low life. Yeah, I, 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 low lives. She has money, fame, people admire, it's, it's him or her, uh, whatever, the, uh, a two-year-old is what she is, right, low lives, you know, why are these people having anything in this world, you know, I mean, this, 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 this sicko, this Olympic guy, girl, whatever it is, what a, what a, what a low life. But you know what? He drives a fancier car than you and I. <laughs> His house is bigger. It's more popularity. I mean, I don't think anyone has a bigger house than whatever him or her. Why? Why? Why shouldn't we have the house and the car? That's the matter us now. Why does he have anything? So why would a Russia get anything? Now, again, on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a theological level, certainly we know that if all the righteous would get rewarded immediately and the wicked would get zapped by lightning, we'd have no free will. Okay? We would have no free will. If I knew, if I would keep Shabbos and Kashmir, all of a sudden like, money would be pouring in, everyone would keep Shabbos, everyone would do that. Right? You know, there would be no free will in the world. But yet, even so, there's a still question. So why do they have anything good? What good did they do that they get it? Yeshitia some people do something good they had some good act they helped out a Jew they were nice to a person they gave charity they did some some good things uh, and Hashem pays them back in this world as Moshe, as the Torah tells us and God pays back these enemies to destroy them the Tergamu Bahari Shainim. And the, the, it brings down in the Targum. Umeshalem Lusanayev. God pays back to those who he hates. Tavan de Inan Avin Kalmoi Bechayan of Deon. He gives them back. You know, when there's younger, the person went to Yeshiva, he went to day school, 
There are some people today who are very famous. What's her name? Uh, oh, Beverly Streisand. Right? Beverly. She didn't, she didn't grow up in Brooklyn. Why in the world does she get anything? She should, right? But maybe she just she davened when she was longer. I'm not, I'm not judging her, by the way. God will judge her. But, you know, she did something good when she was younger. She benched. She davened. She did, kept kosher. Other people never grew up like that, but they did good things. They helped the person out. So they get, they'll get rewarded in this world, and that'll be it. <laughs> they'll be rewarded now. Temporary. Enjoy it. Live it up. Because tomorrow you will die. <laughs> and it ain't going with you. No one's buried with their Ferrari, or with their, their house, and if they are buried with their Ferrari, it's not going to help them. Right? It's your payback in a temporary finite world, which is, with, you know, you know, everyone knows the story of the chicken fat, the diamonds, the Chavaz Chaim? No? No one knows the chicken fat story, the diamonds. Tomorrow, what's your Shiva did you go do? i tell you the chicken fat story. So, just very, I'm going to tell you the quick version of this. So, once a guy, it's a Chavaz Chaim's mushal, Chavaz Chaim's metaphor. The, it was once an individual, who heard about an island where it was filled with diamonds. Filled with diamonds. Filled with diamonds. And he was so excited. He told his family about it. I'll go to this island. I'll become rich. Rich, rich, rich. He asked his friends, do you want to go? They said, no, we'll live, stay here. He said, no, there's diamonds everywhere. I'm going to go. And he, and he went out, he goes on this island, travels far, far, far to this island, and he gets there, he's looking around, can't believe it! Diamonds everywhere! He's imagining how rich he'll be! Life will be good! Life will be great! And then he starts collecting diamonds and putting in his pockets and diamonds. And he goes, he needs to get a drink. It's not part of his market on an island. What? Goes, finds a store. And he comes to the store. And he wants to order a sandwich. And he wants a drink. He says, sure, sir. Okay, how are you going to pay? And he's like, how am I going to pay? I have diamonds. Ich bin a gewir. I'm a wealthy man. He takes out a diamond and he shows it to... The storekeeper, the storekeeper laughs. He says, you're going to pay me this a diamond. Diamonds are like dirt. Diamonds everywhere. You can't pay me this a diamond. Give me money. Give me cash. He says, well, what's cash over here? Cash? Cash is chicken fat. Schmaltz. Schmaltz, you know this is stolen. Oh, yeah. Schmaltz. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. Uh, chicken. chicken. No, but by eating it, it was schmaltz, was chicken fat. That was the. Uh, yeah, schmaltz. So they tell him schmaltz. If you have schmaltz, you can buy whatever you want. So he says, where do, you get, where do I get schmaltz? So they say, you have to go work for schmaltz. So the guy says, schmaltz? I'll get some schmaltz. He starts to work, and he gets some schmaltz, and he feels good. Gets, then he goes gets more schmaltz. 
And his family starts writing to him after a couple of years, where are you? He says, don't worry, I'll be back soon. I'm coming back rich. Rich, rich, rich. And he starts collecting more and more schmaltz until it became... the What? Yeah, he ground the chickens and got the chicken fat. Until he became the richest person in the whole island. He had all the schmaltz he won. And after a time, he finally decided to go back into his family. And he writes to them, we'll be taken care of for life. We'll be set. And he takes the boat and he fills up the boat filled with schmaltz. And he, the day comes to his family. He's going to see his family. And they're waiting at the harbor and the whole town is coming there. They are their old friends coming back. Rich! Filthy rich! The island with all the diamonds. And as he gets close to the harbor, it shrieks, smells. People couldn't, can't breathe. The stench is intense. It was, it was a hot, humid day. And all they can smell is this terrible schmaltz. Tons of schmaltz. Tons of fats. And he gets to the island and the man reeks and the boat reeks and the people are plotting, dying from the smell. And he sees his wife and kids and they say, Dad, how are you? He says, it's been years since I've seen you. Many, many years. And they say, well, what do you have for us? And he says, I have schmaltz. I have schmaltz and we're rich. They look at him like he's a mashogunah. I literally have a mashogunah. Schmaltz? Schmaltz is worth nothing. What do you mean? What do you have? So he, he felt terrible. He, he explained to him, Schmaltz is doing, and it smells and it leaks. And he's looking, looking, he has nothing to show them. Finally, on the corner, in the back of his pocket, he has a little diamond that the first day he got there, he still had. Says the Chavetz Chaim, that Hashem puts us into this world. There are diamonds everywhere, mitzvahs. And a person can live for eternity with mitzvahs and Torah. But in this world, then you can't buy. Do you, can, I, can I go with Torah to Parzo? Give me some food? No answer. Uh, you probably would, but most stores, you can, go to Safeway, go to Lucky's, go to, go to, go to Saks Fifth Avenue, Woo. go to Tiffany's, you see a nice diamond bracelet. I like the diamond bracelet. Oh, how would you like to pay? I did chesed yesterday. <laughs> I did chesed. Here's my chesed card. I'll give you the visa. Torah card. I learned five lot of Gemara. Go, go give it to Tiffany's and see what they say. You're not gonna, it's not gonna pay in this world. In the eternal world, Torah mitzvahs is the, is the currency. People get so caught up in schmaltz in this world. Well, some people have lots of schmaltz, but they have a little diamond here or there. But Hashem doesn't want to say that you're going to get that diamond in the next world because the whole life is schmaltz. You know, you want schmaltz? I'll give you more schmaltz. You have a nice house, car, fame, glory. You'll get nothing in the eternal world. So the first reason why a Russia could have success in this world is to take away the world to come. Number two is Vyesh Sometimes Hashem gives power, fame, 
something to a wicked person in order that their child or grandchild or somebody else will end up getting it. This person doesn't deserve it. But one day they're going to have a descendant that's going to be deserving of it. So they're like the carrier. Goes through them in order to get to someone who's truly righteous. Right? So Hashem gives it to a wicked person even though they're undeserving in order that ultimately the righteous person, the righteous lady, gets it. Number three, <laughs> it ends up um, being uh, the, the, the whole cause of their death. Right? It says, that the wealth comes uh, to the person to, to hurt him. Right? How many of these people in Hollywood are miserable individuals? Right? Look at, you're miserable. You look at, if you were to take the, the peak of these people, right? You know, I always say take the two, two, right? you have to pick the most, I'll pick it easy, the most popular uh, person, this media person in the 60s and 70s with the most money and fame and glory, who would you pick? Man. One person. I would say arguably, arguably, Elvis Presley. Elvis, right? Elvis. You would think Elvis would have such a happy life. He had all the money. Girls, anyone he wanted. Fame. Elvis did. What did they call him? What's his nickname? The King. The King. Right? Like people were, ah, he's screaming. Man, they walk down the street. What happened? What ha- remind me what happened to Elvis Presley. What did he do to himself? Drug to death. Killed himself. Why? His fame killed him. What's, what's, and arguably in the 60s, also who was the most famous woman? I was going to say, uh, what's her name? Megan Monroe. Or what's her Marilyn Monroe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, right? Good old Megan. What happened to her? Most likely, that's completely, you know, you know. But right. Also, what, what's uh, what, Elizabeth Taylor? How many times was she married? Seven. I thought it was nine. Seven times. Eight. She was an alcoholic. I mean, they they were ruined, terrible lives, right? Their 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 whole, you know. Unhappy, you know, this girl, what's her name, Brittany Cyrus, she could have lived in Montana, wherever she was going to be. She lived a normal life. Now she's going to have a terrible life. She'll never get married. If she gets married, she'll cheat on her husband, he'll cheat on her. All of the fame of this girl ruined her. I, the, my, across the street from my parents a couple years ago, this idiot, Jared Bieber, right? Idiot, crashed into a tree, four o'clock, right across, directly across my parents' house. Drive 100 miles an hour. What? They had something like that. Yes, I know. It was international news. Je- you know, Jared Bieber crashed into a tree. Well, that tree is right in front of my parents. My parents heard it. You know? You know, uh, you know is this Jared Bieber? I don't know. Some, some, some whatever. Boxer, whatever it is. So. You don't, you don't, you have to, you should come to my house. I'll tell you about all the stars in the sports. <laughs> Listen to me. I'll give you a good education. I'll give you all the right names. All the right info. That's all you need to know. Can you survive being a famous person? Just yeah, no, 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 no
Hashem gives a person the, to punish. It's actually a punishment. I'll tell you another case, the opposite. Charles Lundeberg, the Nazi. You know Charles Lundeberg? What's with Charles? Right, the first one is a, he's a Nazi sympathizer. He was a, an international, a very famous person in the 19, he's a Nazi sympathizer, yeah. So, he was American, but he was a pro-Hitler. Uh, so, because of all his popularity, his son got kidnapped. He, so, what did his popularity do to him? His son got kidnapped and he never saw his son again. Right, exactly. Could you know what it is for a parent? You know, there's probably one of the worst feelings you see by Yaakov Avinu could ever, you can't mourn, right? If a kid dies, God forbid we should ever know from this, you can mourn for them. But when it's kidnapped, you always wonder, are they dead? Where is my kid? Terrible, terrible punishment, right? You know why his son got kidnapped? Because he's an international celebrity. And somebody's purposely kidnapped his son. So his power, his fame was actually his destruction. I, that sometimes Hashem gives a person something in order to destroy them whether it's the money or the wealth or the power or the fame it's actually counterproductive they show that many of the people who win the lottery actually end up destroying their lives right so not always is it a good thing so it's possible that actually the money or the power or the fame is actually a punishment for these people I can't hear also, yeah, we're gonna actually go, get, get, we're not talking about tests now, we're talking about Rishayim. Testing is for people in the middle. Right? We're talking about people who are bonafidely not a good people. Right? They're not being tested. They're taking the money and getting tattoos and drugs or whatever it may be. Or living a life of provocative or anti whatever. Again, there are people who are successful who are good people, by the way, and happy also. I'm not saying, he's not, he's not saying, I'm not saying that everyone who has this is miserable. But sometimes, some of the people, it's actually a punishment for. And therefore, even though they're wicked, it's a punishment. Sometimes, Hashem gives it to a person uh, until they should do tshuva, and they'll, then, they'll, then they'll get it. The Menashe was a wicked king, and then he did tshuva, and he had the money. And it was good for him, it was good for the Jewish people. Sometimes, it was the, the parents, right? and I look at today, many of these Jews who are extraordinarily wealthy today, their grandparents suffered for Judaism. Their great-grandparents suffered for Judaism. And their great-great-grandchildren don't have Torah mitzvahs, but they have wealth, and it's a payback, because you know what happens? The next generation is not Jewish anymore. That's the, they're, the la- they're the last link in the chain, because they married Kathy, or, or Missy, or Brittany, well, all the names are there. Mary, Maria. Today, Indian names. I don't know Indian names. Chinese names. Chinese are all called. They go by American names. They're like Shannon and you know, Kim. Like Kim. Uh, so and that's it. So Hashem gives these descendants some reward. This one for their parents and grandparents' deeds because. After that, they're going to be Gentiles. Or they're not going to be Gentiles. They're, so they're, they're rewarded for the righteousness of their parents. Because of that, the children get some kind of reward. Uh, Very often, the righteous, their children, even if they're not righteous, are rewarded for the acts of their parents. 
it's also a challenge and a test. He's seeing the wicked, right? He's looking at these people, these bankers who are thieves. I, I like bankers, by the way. I'm not, I would certainly not vote for, what's her name? Uh, Hillary Warren. Um, you, know, this is, you know she is? Elizabeth Warren? Oh. Hey, you know. I think bankers are good. She's a big Democrat, yeah. But my point is, there are bankers who are corrupt and wicked people. These are people in the stock market that are wicked. Why shouldn't I follow their lead? Why shouldn't I follow his actors' lead? They're living a good life. Every Saturday, they go to Santa Cruz to the beach, and they're likely having a great time. You know, it's a great. It looks like it looks like fun. You know, in Israel, you're in a mixed neighborhood. They're playing soccer on Shabbat, and they're you know they're going to the beach. Sound doesn't look, it's, looks, no, it's, it's fun. They're happy. I'll be happy if I do the same thing. It has a nice apartment. They're in the front page of Ma'ariv in Yidiot. Look at Chaim. Chaim has a, you know, a big chest with a big Chaim necklace. Picture on the, on, on, the, on the beach on Shabbat. You know, why should I do that? So the, the fact is that they're doing that. It creates, and they're successful in doing that. It's a, for a challenge for the real believers. It's a certain challenge. They get that in order to, to test. Um, uh, to test. Some people want to say, well, go ahead and you know, I'll, learn, I'll learn from it. I'll take care of it. Imagine the time of Spanish Inquisition when the Jews were expelled from Spain. There were Jews who stayed in Spain and, again, I'm not judging these people, converted. They kept all of their money. Some of them were extraordinarily rich. Like Abraham Sonoro, I spoke about in my history class. Extraordinarily, and other people gave everything up. Dan Yitzhak Abraham was a very wealthy person. Abraham Sinor converts to Catholicism. The king promotes him. He stays in Spain. He has a good life. And I'm, they're leaving on Tishabav Day. They're going on boats to leave Spain. They have no idea where they're going to end up. They're giving back all their possessions. Who's it? Don't you think that's a big test? <laughs> Don't you think that's a huge test? We can't even imagine what it's like today. You went, you left Spain, you had no idea where you were going. You had no guarantees. So they were tested that these other Jews converted, and they kept their money, and they kept their power. That's a test. Right? If you would have been 80 years ago on Shabbos, and seeing somebody working on Shabbos, that's a test. These bother are not really looking at the year So Hashem will see who's really doing this all at a short and until it's a point of real challenges and then it'll be the ultimate uh, ultimate reward and uh, punishment so this just discusses very briefly why at times the righteous could suffer and at times the wicked could prosper and there are multiple reasons there's no one answer but one thing we always have to know is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his ultimate wisdom gives us a person who keeps torment is blessed in this world and the next. A person who doesn't is not. But that, Hashem gives us exactly what's perfect for us. 
person's not really aware of this world, they're really aware of the, in the eternal world. That's really what matters. <laughs> this is just an oil of this, this world is a passing world, right? And a rasha, a wicked person, sometimes they're rewarded for multiple reasons. But ultimately, they're the big loser. They're a big loser. I feel terrible when I see a Jewish boy or girl who's a high-tech titan, really big in the world, but doesn't have Torah mitzvahs. They're getting, what do they have? They're poor. Mark Zuckerberg is the poorest person in the whole world. He's a nebuch. A nebuch. I feel terrible for the man. He's giving up the internal world for nothing. He was the time person of the year at one point. He's a zero, a zilch. I'm not judging him. He may not know better, but he has nothing in this world. A Jew has Torah mitzvahs has eternity. Has oilam haba ve oilam haza. And that's what a Jew has to know. When they keep Torah mitzvahs, not only are they blessed eternally, even in this world, Hashem watches them. At times we're challenged by our own personal difficulties. You know, when we, when we're suffering, it really affects us. When we're not feeling well or challenged physically or financially or children are, it's a challenge. But a person has to know that they're always, Hashem watches out for them gives us exactly what's best for us. And if we have that, they can be successful. Next week, we're going to discuss a very important thing. Picking a career, what's right for us, based on Bitachon, and being successful in, the, in, the, in, our, in our material purpose in this world. How do you know what job to pick? How do you know how to be successful in this world? And that has a Bitachon aspect as well. Okay, thank you. Yeah.